When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the Record Celtic podcast. My name is Daniel Corr. I'm delighted to be joined by Record Sports' Michael Gannon and Gordon Parks. Guys, how are you both? Good afternoon, chaps. Uh, all good. Apart from this blowing weather. Apart from that, it's, uh, it's all good. Yep, ditto. Agree with that. Can I, get, can, I get, can I get a wash note here, boys? Can I get a wash note? <laughs> Summer is well and truly gone. <laughs> uh, the best place for us to start, I think, is Rugby Park. Um, obviously, and we'll put you both in the spot. Celtic's first competitive defeat since uh, St Mirren last year. St Mirren was domestic, but Real Madrid as well. Real Madrid, I think, it was November. That's not domestic. You said domestic. Or did I say domestic? <laughs> Sorry, stitched myself up. Ah, you're right. St Mirren, almost a year ago. Yeah. Which pretty impressive, but Sunday was far from impressive. I mean, was it a bad day at the office, Michael, or, or was it symptomatic or, or something bigger? Uh, a bit of both. I think there's. I think you've got to take in um, to consideration some mitigating factors. I think. I mean, Celtic's injury problems. I mean, they're without Cameron Carter, Vickers, Rio Hatati, big misses in the team. Arthur Johnson still missing as well. Obviously, for the pitch, even having uh, O missing, I think it was. I mean, you think you want to change the way you're playing. That, that option is taken away with him being injured as well. Um, so there was injury problems all, all over the pitch. Um, it didn't play well. It didn't. It didn't. I mean, they kind of got away with it a wee bit in the first two weeks of the season. Scored a lot of goals, and it still looked a bit rusty. It looks like a team that's, that's trying to find its its feet in terms of the way it's going to play. But then you remove key personnel from that that equation, it became disjointed, slightly dysfunctional. It didn't really threaten as much. I mean, I think even when they get they lose games occasionally or don't win games, you think they're going to create a lot of chances, especially like the last twenty minutes, bombarding the goal and. Never really happened, did it? It was never really threatening to to, to score, um, so it, it was it was a, a poor afternoon. That listen, they talked about um, the, the last defeat against St Mullen last year. That was in the league, and there's always scope to kind of repair the damage in the league. A cup competition, you play a bad day and you're out, um, and it's not something Ben Rodgers is used to having won twenty four at a twenty four cup competition matches in his previous spell. He's lost his first one since coming back, which maybe highlights the job is a, a lot more difficult than maybe. People thought it was going to be, maybe perhaps even he thought it was going to be, um, but there's certainly some problems to address the Celtic because they don't, they aren't firing, they're not, they're not at full capacity, they've got a lot of injuries, they're not playing particularly well, and the window is going to close in a matter of a week or so. Um, there's a lot to be getting on with at Celtic just now. Gordon, as Mick says, I mean, 24 wins at 24 in the cup for Rogers is remarkable. Celtic, what is it? Is it seven trebles in, in 12 years or something like that? I mean, Celtic, they can't win the treble every season. There might be problems, but you're going to lose games on afternoons like that. Daniel, I, I'll be honest, I thought it was quite refreshing. I think changes the dynamic. It does it very early. I think this procession of trebles for Celtic has become a bit blasé, I think, even for Celtic fans. Um, for people in the Scottish game, I think this kind of uh, inevitability about Celtic's dominance is never a good thing. I, I look at it from a point of view that 
it really upsets Applecart and it reminds Celtic fans that there's no divine right to go and win things. Certainly trophies are hard to win. It should be. It should be the case that you have to go and you, first and foremost, battle to win games. And if Celtic aren't up for the battle, and Kilmarnock showed that if they've got the stomach to go there and be as committed and dogged and work as hard as they can and take their chance, anything can happen. So I think Mick's right. Celtic lacks something. There's a lot of pizzazz about the, the, the forward area just now. I think they're coming to terms with a new system. All these things play in to a kind of scenario where people are setting their hairs on fire because Celtic have lost a game. But for me, it's refreshing. It's uh, great to see that other teams can go and give them a, a bloody nose. And I think more of that, please. See, Kelly, by the way, Kelly have been terrific since the start of the season. I mean, actually, I'm going to that game. I thought it was a, a really perilous tie for Celtic. Having seen um, Kamark at, at Tynecastle the week before, watched them get a great result against Rangers. I, I thought it was really going to be a difficult tie for Celtic, and it, and it proved that way. They were a really solid unit coming up. The back three have been terrific. We've got a bit of creativity, guys like Matt Kennedy, Danny Armstrong, Marla Watkins up top, a bit of threat as well. I think I think Kamark are, are in really good shape um, just now. I mean, they've got a good manager who knows how to organise teams. That that was a, a, the toughest tie Celtic could have got at the weekend, and it proved that way, and they paid the price for, I'm not saying underestimating them, but they paid the price for hitting a team that was in real good form. What I have to say, though, you have to caveat the fact that the pitch is a disgrace, and it's difficult to go and create your own momentum on it. It's difficult. Oh, so it was a disgrace last season, so it's had to put nine goals past them in two games. Like, that said, and universally, I would say that's about any plastic pitch playing in the Premiership level, it shouldn't be the case that clubs it's are going to... It's never a case after defeat, though. It's never a case after 5-1-1. Mick, I, I take your point, right? You shouldn't like isolate the, this this game, but I'm just saying in the bigger picture. When was the last time I saw a good game in a plastic pitch? I don't think I ever have. Uh, you're talking about a perfect storm for Celtic and the difficult tie. It's, you have to yeah. throw into the mix that it's yeah. a plastic pitch I and the ball that. does not flow on it. No, I get I agree with that part. So it's, I mean, that's not ideal, but they have been there before and got great results. I mean, it's not, it's not a. I don't think you can use it as an excuse. They know what to expect now. It's not as if this has been rolled out the first time this season. Um, so I think that's a bit of a, a, bit of a kind of cop-out, really. Because um, I say, don't, don't worry about the pitch after winning four and five um, last season. So I, I, The reason I'm saying that is you have to call it out. And let's call it out because there has to be an end game here that cannot continue. You have to find another way to win a game. If, it's a, if the pitch is causing you problems, find another way. That's just the way it is. Um, and listen... You can get to December on the parks that are rutted, rutted field. So it, it, it just depends on the, the situations. You have to find a way. And so it just couldn't find a way at the weekend. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne. Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. See, just on the game itself, before we move on from it, I think we all agree that Celtic were really below par. But there was definitely things that didn't go their way as well. I mean, there was, I think it was Armstrong on um, on Greg Taylor, an elbow, which, I, see, looking at it again, I think it could have easily been a red card. It's a really bad one, I thought. And, of course... Haksabanovic in the last minute, I thought it was a definite penalty. I think the penalty kick shouts are definite. I think, yeah. but I think that in the, I think the elbow 
is it deliberate? I'm not so sure it is. Does the player make absolute most of it? Maybe I know he get taken taken off for for treatment, but these are this is a big high tempo blood and thunder collision. I think people are reading too much into it. And as Mike probably will go back to saying, people look for reasons, look for excuses, look to point to things. There were two flash points. Penalty kick probably was. But again, these things happen. Celtic should have more than enough to get through a tie like that without having to look at the incidentals that we're talking about referees and blah. Mm-hmm. It's still a penalty kick. I mean, I don't think Celtic deserved to win the game. I think it would have been, it would have been cruel on Kamar, but it's still a penalty kick. I mean, I think I think Kamar would be howling for a penalty kick at the other end if it was uh, the roles are reversed. And likewise, most managers would be. Um, I think Kamar earned a bit of luck with the performance, but it's still a penalty kick. And you think these days with VAR that Matt might have been caught. I think, if anything, that's the Baranich's reaction. A little, a little bit theatrical, might have been against him. Um, again, it's still if you, you slide in, you don't make contact, make contact with the player, you impede them, it's a penalty kick. Um, it could have got Celtic out of jail, but it would have been all deserved. But it doesn't matter the fact of the matter was it's a penalty kick, wasn't it? It just makes it more frustrating for me the VAR thing that we've got VAR and things like that still get missed. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's doubly frustrating. Yeah, it must have been the guys in the, 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 the VAR studio must have thought, well, it's it's it can go either way, the, the referees. Happy with it. Um, it's not enough of a, of a um, clear and obvious error to, to to overturn it or invite them to have a look at it, um, and they've moved on. Um, for me, a strange one because um, it looked it looked enough to be. It certainly looked enough to be looked at again. Aye. Um, but it's I, I guess it's subjective um, in terms of the referee. It doesn't matter what referee it is. It's always subjective, isn't it? But um, well, I watched the I watched the man new, I watched the Manu Rules game. And the goalkeeper come out and cements the striker in the last kick of the ball. Subjective is everything now because you've got human analysis and your your opinion might differ from mine. You're going to get that. And I think, again, isolating was a penalty kick, but clearly in the eyes of whoever was watching it in VAR, it wasn't. So that's where we are. Yeah, I think I think you're right, Gordon, in the sense Celtic should have had more. You know, that, that shouldn't have really come into it. Um, after the game, though, Brendan Rodgers... He went on on record as saying Celtic need match winners, they need quality. Um, do you think you'll get it in the final days, Mick? I mean, I know that the Bronby striker is the, um, I think I'm saying this right, Matthias Kvistgarden has been linked in record sport in the last couple of days. He's got eight goals and 45 appearances for Bronby, four and nine for Denmark under 21s. I mean, is he the kind of quality Celtic will or need rather? Yeah, it certainly fits the profile, but this is what we'll keep hearing about the profile and the model and all that kind of stuff. And um, at, at some point, Celtic need to get some some proven ability in the building. I mean, I think I, they've got plenty, had plenty of quality on the pitch at, at weekends. I mean, for all for all they're, they're missing a few, they have still got Kyogo, Meda, Abada, um, O'Reilly. These are guys that are, are proven that they can create and score goals. And Taksibanovic, who maybe needs to step up a wee bit. Um, get these guys. Are, I mean, Yang has looked apart when he's, in his, his appearances so far. So they've got guys that, that can create and have got quality. Um, I just think Celtic. I don't think many people would have thought that the side would be like this at this stage in the window with, with a week to go. Um, I think the talk in the summer was all about taking the side to the next level, competing in Europe, make a fist of the Champions League. Um, Strengthening from a position of strength, uh, all this kind of stuff. Has that happened? 
I think arguably no. I mean, I think Celtic are probably in a weaker position now than they were in January when they lost um, Yakimakis and, and Juranovic. Um, and I know they've got injuries, and that's listen, I think that is a huge factor. I mean, you take out guys like Carter Vickers, Hattati, and Johnson at a team, that's a big loss for any side. But in general, you look at the recruitment's made a lot of a lot of guys with potential, a lot of project players who might be superstars in the making, but they might not be. Um, I think Celtic fans thought there'd be some some heavy investment this summer to kind of really capitalise on their position and kick on. And I don't think it's happened yet. And there's now a week to go. And I take the point that, that listen, th- these kind of signings tend to be late in the window. And it's happened to Celtic in the past as well. I mean, Jota and Carter Vickers arrived late in the window. Matt O'Reilly arrived late in January. Um, historically, the, the bigger signings arrive late because there's usually a scramble with other clubs to, to get them as well. So you do have to be patient. And there's a sense of Celtic have been kind of hanging on a wee bit through this window until they got reinforcements. But now a week to go. I mean, all right, they've, they've signed... Lagabiko and, and, and Nurovsky, who, who look like, like, like good players. Again, prospects as well, but young guys. Um, at some point, they need to kind of step up and bring in some some heavy hitters. They still look a bit lightweight, I think, in the team in general, in terms of physicality. Um, and they could do some other options. So, yeah, it's time to really step up and, and put the foot down. But they've, they've already seen the, the treble's gone now, so it's too late for that. Uh, Europe is fast approaching. They're only I mean, a, a month away from, from the Champions League. Um, and at this point in time, you know, that Champions League is looking a bit ominous. And before then, they've got to go to Ibrox on September the 3rd. And that's looking ominous when you look at the injury list. Mm-hmm. Um, that's that's no environment for, for projects and plans and, 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 and guys that suit the model. The model is winning games of football. So they, they really need to get, get an act together and get a move on and, and get in some, some, some proper signings, I think, now. Yeah, you talk about quality but as a personality there personality issues you've got to bring more than that i think celtic do need established personality individuals i think that there's an abundance of strength and depth you talk about the problems i've got at the back clearly but did they like that big personality player that kind yeah, of yeah, guys like a jota guys who came in with a swagger expecting yeah. to, to be a superstar uh, not hoping to be a superstar, not getting polished up to be a superstar. A guy walked in with a swagger saying, I'm going to be the main man here. Yeah. That's what Celtic need. I mean, listen, finding another Jota is, is going to be really difficult. I mean, getting digging him out from the Benfica B team uh, on loan with a few to buy was a, a great bit of business. I mean, you look at the money they made from him, it was a tremendous bit of business. But it's that kind of sign they kind of need, don't they? They need a kind of guy who's, who's saying, right, I'm going to be straight in the team, main man, I'll deliver in the big moments. Mm-hmm. Not a kind of guy that's going to go, right, come here and make it better. And I'll be better in six months' time. Yeah. The problem we've got with project players is it's a project. It takes time and it does. It has to develop. And you're, you're, you're kind of throwing mud at the wall a wee bit in a sense of hope it sticks. If you go with that, again, it costs it costs a Celtic player to pay to get that individual in. Who is that individual? The, the clock's ticking, mixed right. And it'll be in- interesting to see if they can fill the void because there's a vulnerability now. Commandment of showing that Celtic can be got at, and I think that once that mystique, invincibility, that kind of momentum kind of cra- crashes, it's a problem for Celtic. I definitely think um, that you know there's been there's been plenty of speculation rather over the last kind of couple of weeks about a bigger name and, and Mick. I remember I think it was the last podcast we did talking about players like Daniel Pudence at Wolves and Ryan Fraser. Do you think? Sunday's result will affect Celtic's strategy in, in the sense that before they get beat, you know, does this heighten the need for a, a ready-made player? Uh, 
No, I think that was already there. Because we're talking, we're talking Champions League competition. That's what we're looking at, really. Um, and is the current squad ready for that challenge, even if they're all fully fit? Well, no, because most of them were there last year and, and, and didn't quite cut it. Um, so no, that answer to that is no. So it's the guys that are going to take them to that level. Difficult market. Uh, and by the way, listen, certainly haven't got a lot wrong in the transfer market. I mean, let's be honest, they made a ton of money. It works well. This model works really well. Um, they get these players, sign them relatively cheaply and uh, move them on for, for big money. It happens all the time. A lot of players don't uh, fit that bill and they just drift away. Um, the chance of signing guys like Fraser and Podent very doubtful, purely because the wages are, are just off the chart. And I think Celtic are hitting a lot of problems in that market because it's all right saying spend £10 million on a player. All right, you go to England and spend £10 million on an English player or an attacker who's at a Premier League club. Unfortunately, he's getting 70 grand a week, minimum. Yeah. Minimum. Does it so not? 10 million player comes with a, with a major wage packet as well. So that market is is pretty much closed off. So these, these two guys mentioned are on a awful lot of money and they're not going to take half the salary to come to come to Celtic. Half the salary is still at the upper end of Celtic's salary bracket. See everything so, spelled out. Does it not amuse you that you still Celtic fans still anticipate Kieran Tierney coming names, the ones you've mentioned? When it's unrealistic, it's completely out with their, their kind of spending power. Yet there's this kind of persistent belief that these kind of quality and level of players are available to come in. It can't be done. It just can't be done. And well, that's an acceptance. Talk about Champions League level. An acceptance. Can you bridge the gap in the quality levels? It can't be done. Listen, Kieran Tierney is one that could happen, not purely because that, that is beyond the realms of finances. I mean, listen, they can't buy him. I mean, it's an asset for Arsenal. If they're going to sell him, they'll sell him for 30, 35 million quid. So that's not going to happen. So you're looking at a loan deal, um, probably a loan fee now, because that's what they charge now, loan fees in England as well. So you may have to spend four or five million quid just to get to borrow him, and then maybe pay another whack of wages as well on top of that, which is even half of Kieran Tierney's salary just now at Arsenal is, is right at the upper end. Um, listen, if Celtic could get that deal to work, I think they should go and, and absolutely push the boat out as far as they can to bring in Kieran Tierney. If they can go and if they can take advantage of Jota's weird situation in Saudi Arabia and bring him back uh, as well at Celtic, for, um, I, I would explore that option as well. Celtic, I think, need to see Celtic fans need to see something. They need to see a bit of ambition, a bit of bold behaviour. Just to get the place going again, because I think silly fans now are sitting with head in hands thinking, how how has this happened that everything is so deflated so early in, in the campaign? Um, I see there's an out the cup, Rangers game coming, Champions League coming, and they're sitting thinking this is a little bit kind of down and depressing. They need something to get the place going again, and that's the kind of thing that would make, get the place going again, that's for sure. You can't be a pie in the sky, though. I mean, we're talking no, about that. that, that. Is, that is, that's, what that's what silly fans want. Is it going to happen? I seriously doubt it. Um, but it it's still a bit defeatist at the moment, isn't it? It's all a bit kind of all this realism getting spoken about about the markets and and the finances and all that stuff. Well, it's the same for ninety percent of the clubs in the world. Out, out with England and out with Saudi Arabia, everyone's scrambling about. Do you know what I mean the Jota one is bizarre? Like, I mean, we've got on record spoke today that he looks set to become a free agent, and there's even talks of like Atalanta are apparently interested in him. I mean, as you say, Mick, if if there is a deal to be done there, if there's any chance. Celtic can get him back in the same summer they get 25 million for him they should definitely do it shouldn't they they should I mean who, who better to replace Jota than Jota 
listen, if they could imagine you could sell a guy for, for 25 million in the June when he comes back for nothing in, in the August, it'd be the greatest <laughs> bit of business ever done in the history of sport. I mean, literally winning the lottery. Um, I would mean, be it would be absolutely bizarre way of if it did transpire. I mean, I don't know how that the, the, his deal structured there, and, and, and obviously the, the salary was, was wild. Um, but there's clearly problems um, for him out there. Uh, the foreign quotas they've got as well. He seems to be getting bumped out. And some of Mo Salah coming in, he's getting sent to the door. Um, if I give him, a, if I give him a ten million quid and said cheerio, I'm sure he would take it. And I'm sure Celtic, if they get to the bank, I hope they hope they bank that twenty five mil uh, and get him back. It would be an incredible turn of events to get him back. I mean, Celtic would take him back in a heartbeat, I'd imagine. Um, whether or not he would come back and after the kind of leaving, it'd be a bit weird, wouldn't it? Mm. Uh, but listen, who knows? This, this situation is so bizarre. You wouldn't write anything out, would you? Definitely not. Um, and Gordon, we've, we've mentioned obviously that Ibrox is on the horizon for Celtic. It's, I mean, they've got St Johnston home in the Premiership uh, and then it's Rangers. Navrocki, Carter Vickers are doubtful. Welsh is out. That's all, it's looking pretty, pretty, um, pretty daunting trip for Celtic now. Yeah, it's just fortunate that Rangers don't have a fire, firing line attack force that's going to um, make the most of that, I don't imagine. I think Celtic will have to recruit defensively. They need again. We're talking about personality and authority. Go and bring in somebody that can lead and command. They do need to plug the gap because they've got a perfect storm. The injury-wise, defensively, is a massive, massive issue. But I think it's only the Champions League issue. It's Europe's a problem. I don't think domestically they've got that much of a kind of panic going on because they believe that they've got enough inside the building to go and take care of a Rangers side, which is, personally speaking, in a much, much more significant state of disarray than Celtic. Mm-hmm. Well, I, at, this, at this point in time, the going to Ibrox are back for it. Be Greg Taylor, which is obviously fine. Then it'd be Lagerbeko, either Scales or Awata, and Tony Ralston. That'd be the back four going to Ibrox. Yeah. Um, I say again, nobody would have predicted that that back four um, six months ago or, or even a month ago. Um, is that a back four that was good enough to, to, to go and win at Ibrox? Who knows? It's um, it's certainly nowhere near the first choice one. Um, so, yeah, so Celtic have got problems going there, I think. I mean, Rangers are showing, are finding it difficult to kind of find their feet. A lot of new faces, not quite up to, to grips with the system yet. In the midst of a difficult Champions League uh, qualifying campaign. Um, but they still have got plenty of uh, ability in that team and, and plenty of goal scoring threat. Um, so at this point in time, Celtic are probably fans are right to be worried about that fixture because it does look a bit ominous. I, I definitely think, though, I, I did say, you know, it looks a bit daunting. But, I mean, Scales is a decent player. He played well in pre-season. I, I think, as you said, Gordon, I think Celtic have still got more than enough to be fine at Ibrooks, you know, for that game. Um, I, sorry, go on, Gordon. Yeah, I was over in Dublin for the Wills game and I thought Liam Scales was exceptional. And I think yeah. for the player, they're busting to show that he's got a future at Celtic. It's him. And I think Brendan Rodgers was non-committal after it. Clearly, clubs want to take skills. Aberdeen would be desperate to take him back on loan. But he's, he's the identical perfect player to come in and cure the, cure the problem. He's more than capable. He's a young young player getting better. Given that responsibility, to go and show that he can plug the gap. Why not? Mm-hmm. Uh, it really impresses me. He impressed me last season. If you go and recruit and the guy comes in and shows that he's capable, you've got to put a bit of trust in him, I think. Perfect option. And it just underlines, Mick, how important Carter Vickers is. When he's not there, it makes a world of difference. Oh, he's a huge presence. I mean, I, he's been listening to one of the players of the year last year. 
Um, he's been a rock for, for two seasons. Um, so he's a major, major miss. Um, again, he's got that physicality that Celtic are lacking a wee bit of, I think, at the moment. Um, especially at set pieces. Rangers are a dangerous set piece team. Um, good deliveries into the box from both both sides. So Celtic are, are, are majorly hampered by his absence, and they'll be, they'll be hoping they can get him back on his feet as soon as possible. Because the longer he goes uh, out the team, the harder it gets for Celtic. Here's a question, Mick. Here's a question. We talk about millions of pounds getting recruitment and talking about salaries and all that. Not once did we discuss where's Celtic dipping from beneath. Who have they got coming through? They've invested a lot of money in the academy year in year out. There's a nobody. There's a no young player at Celtic at the back, a defensive player that's been there, that's come through St. Ninian's High School, that's been signing contract after contract, that wants to go and put his hand up and get brought in. And surely that's what an academy's for. Why is it always bring in, recruit, target? Who do, who do we get? It used to be the case you would look and go to yeah. the... Who is there? Well, Stephen Welsh was, was the guy that's came through and he's now 23, obviously injured as well. Um, behind him, I think you're looking at was a Boston Lowell who uh, he needs probably... 20, 30 games, he's away on loan. Um, he looks like one, he's the one for the future as well. Uh, Rocco Vata's in there as well. I think there's a few guys in that, and that's you set up that, that, are, that are pushing. I think the problem that I've had in recent years is that anytime anyone that size is looked apart, someone's came and pinched them. I mean, like Bayern Munich coming in, Nick the Colour players, uh, Liverpool taking Ben Doak. All the prospects, they used to be they get in the first team, play 20 games, then get nicked. Now they're getting 20 games for the B team and get nicked. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're, they're getting pinched at 16, 17. Um, English clubs, because of the way it's, the way it's working, the kind of indicates of post Brexit, post UEFA rules, and all that stuff, they are going to now nicking from academies at a very young age. So they're now not even getting the chance to get near the first team before they get lifted. And it's, it's taking a problem for, for Celtic, that's for sure. There was the, the Scots born lad, I forget his name now, which I really should have had. The man said he paid a million pounds for him, he's just turned 14. I mean, it's, yeah. it's becoming. Yeah. It already was crazy, but I uh, even more so at the moment. Yeah, so it's a, it's a, it's a tricky one um, in terms of the youth. It used to be that you think the youth team would, would kind of furnish the, the first team with the, with the guys um, in terms of injury crisis and that stuff. But these days, the gap's a lot bit further because the, the, the best person is going nicked earlier uh, and before they get a chance of even pushing for the first team. So it's, it's, it's a real difficult one. Yeah. Um, so it's either a supplemental facet of your football club or it's a waste of time. Well, at, at some point, that's going to become a, a, a someone who's going to have a, a spreadsheet and a graph is going to say, "Listen, when the, when the sums stop adding up, I mean, I mean, they can they can still get compensation fees and money for these kids, and they will end up selling them for. You, know, you might find that they start selling kids for a million and, and two million pound, and that keeps it that pays for itself. So it is worth having. I mean, even if they're losing a guy at sixteen, they get a million pound from it. It's paid for, it's paid for the whole year's worth of of, uh, of service. So it, it, the argument. It'll be done on, a, on some kind of spreadsheet somewhere. We'll, we'll tell them whether or not it's, it's worthwhile having or not. Um, so, yeah, that's the reason why we're not uh, economists or fi- um, financiers, are we? <laughs> Merchant bankers. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, I think that more or less brings us to the end of today's Record Celtic podcast. Um, as always, it's been a pleasure. Uh, Mick Gordon, thanks very much for joining me. And thanks to you for listening at home. Cheers. <laughs>